2: call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL podcast.
3: We'll never wear lanyards again. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hanses. I come to you from a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and boys, did you know that Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the sound. Well, I feel like... Where did that come from? I did learn that in science about 27 years ago, I believe. It is trending on Twitter right now, uh, globally, or at least nationally. J.J. Watt tweeted that five hours ago. And people are going nuts, connecting dots, trying to figure out what is the code in there, if any... Uh, connecting him to any number of teams that are pursuing the future Hall mm. of Fame pass rusher. Um, and, you know, you guys are educated men. Uh, I was wondering if there was anything you took out of that. Michael, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Anybody got anything?
1: There is a link to our show because our our friend of the show, Seth Payne, down in Houston, not being on the Jack Easterby uh, beat for a minute Put up a post suggesting uh, this, that the translocation of active mitochondria during buffalo oocytes in vitro maturation, fertilization, and pre-implantation embryo development. Some sort of science jargon, but he tied it to the bills, Mm. and people are thinking this could be a hint that he is headed to western New York.
3: (laughs) You know, there is is somebody else that I – he always seems to have a a, a strong – unique take on things and i i take what he says seriously at all times and i'd like to know his thoughts on us in fact let's bring him in one of the all-time friends of the around the nfl podcast and now a big old star for si and monday Morning quarterback connor Orr, or are you kidding me connor mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell buddy
4: I I don't I I don't see how you could take that any other way uh outside of the fact that he's going to Green Bay he's going to be a packer um and that this all goes back to you know uh cow's milk production uh Wisconsin uh no. mitochondria uh, it all folds in really neatly there how? I think yeah I you know Greg <laughs> I don't want to bore you with the science but Uh, I I think it's pretty easy to get from point A to point B there. Uh, But I do enjoy uh, – J.J. Watt is doing like a – I guess it's sort of a Breaking Bad thing, right, with the episode titles or the Ozarks when they had the pictures at the beginning of every episode. He's he's having fun with it. He's like every other – you know, uh, kind of boring, boring old white dude at this point. So I'm, 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 ha- I'm happy for him. But.
5: I do like when he tweeted out something like free agency is wild. And then people are just like, Oh man, JJ Watts crazy. He went Like there. a ton of like, like, like <laughs> what? Like this guy's hilarious. It's, it's like it, the, the baseline. And this was an old, old Westism. Um, You know the baseline for like considering what's funny from an athlete is so low. It always drove (laughs) him crazy that people thought like Peyton Manning was like the second coming of
4: of George
5: Carlin or something. That that's like you could just say the most basic thing possible and be like these athletes—they're wacky. They're really hilarious.
4: My problem with. My problem with this whole thing, though, is, like, I so with Tampa Bay last year, I started running my mouth, like, the second that Tom Brady got there, and I was like, all these superstar, like, huge air quote acquisitions are so ridiculous and meaningless like <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette and I was like you guys think this is a dream team this is just an absolute joke and then you know of course one of my articles ended up on Tom Brady's postseason hype video oh, uh, no. like giving oh, us oh a finger and so you know, <laughs> it, 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 uh, it, it felt good I guess to get so, my point there was I, I was going to say that all these fans are getting excited to decipher these codes from like who's eventually going to be like a middling 33 year old defensive end but like of course he's going to have 24 sacks next year and break Michael Strahan's record and no, then that, make me look like a huge idiot.
1: I do just, love the idea of Tom Brady, you know, m- like circling around in his basement, stewing over a Connor <laughs> Orr think piece. Yeah, but that means Connor made it.
3: I mean, to be I, 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 I totally agree. Shows the visibility of his platform, uh, which is astounding. But you're right, I think, and there is only one Tom Brady, uh, obviously, but yeah, he does remind you that, you know, don't don't count out the old guys having a, another huge year in the tank. I think Watt certainly qualifies. Connor, what what's going on? How are you? What's going what's what's going on in your world? Are you are you happy? Are you content? What's new?
4: I just just making it through. You know, I think we're all uh, we're all learning to swim in a little bit of a different way during these times. But uh, at the same time, it is made work. Uh, Like we all are very lucky to do this uh, Job and to talk about football But I think we've sort of Double and tripled down on that appreciation Over the last like 10 months You know I have you know, people that I know who are like, whatever, you know, you're doing something very granular, but we do get to in the middle of the day, even if it's a pandemic, be watching football, you know? And so I think that that, uh, that's sort of changed my perspective on a lot of stuff, but I still, I, I get to write about, uh, I, I get to write about all sorts of fun stuff, wrote about Pokemon today. So that was, uh, so that was good, you know,
3: <laughs> we're going to get into that a little bit later because, uh. Pokemon's one of those things that, I, whether it's because of age or just I've never really been connected to sci-fi and that culture or whatever that is. I don't even know what it is. That's how it's, out of touch sci-fi. I am. I would yeah. like to know uh, more about uh, Pokemon and uh, the NFL. Uh, and how they connect. But, Connor, you, of course, uh, as a former uh, NFL media employee, uh, we go way back. And we got a, a big show. Connor's going to be with us. We're going to get into the news, and we're going to take a look ahead at um, surprise cuts. And there's going to be a lot of them, um, releases, cuts, some that you expect, some that you don't, um, with the salary cap going down. And, and Greg, you've been uh, grinding it out on the old .com uh, with pieces the last few days So we're going to get into all that And we're going to do some news But uh, Connor, as we've been doing the last couple of weeks now uh, Following the passing of Chris Wessling You are a former NFL uh, media cohort And uh, we had a lot of good times together We still have great times together Whenever we see each other at tentpole league events Although they haven't been happening for about a year now uh, But uh, since you're on the show uh, have any memories you want to share about your time with Wes, uh, either at the company or before or even after?
4: Oh my God. There's just so many. Um, and, you know, I was going through my phone uh, after I heard the awful news and it's so like Wes that our last conversation just left you with this beautiful feeling and he's just such an incredible guy like we were talking about he texted me in the middle of the day about like an Orioles game that he was watching from 1995 uh, Mike (laughs) Messina was pitching and he knew that I liked the Orioles and so we were talking about that we were talking about books and uh, just the way that a certain passage in a book made us both feel and you know he was just talking about these these golden moments that we have in life and that's really what life is all about and i went back and i read the text and you know we've all i think during the pandemic sort of looked for the big answer like what are we doing here and leave it to wes to be able to just have dropped that in a text message you know to you in the middle of november um at a time when he was hurting you know and that's just so like him he was uh he was such an example of a way that we should be living life you know it's uh, just so appreciative of every moment of every meal and uh, so you know that that really meant a lot to me that I got to go back and, and reflect on that but uh, I would say my favorite West memory you know when I first started working here I was so intimidated by him because he was his football knowledge is just out of this world and he has a BS detector like nobody else I think you guys know that and I was like, you know, is he going to like me? Is he not going to like me? And, uh, you know, lo and behold, fast forward to I think it was our first Super Bowl together. And we're down in Arizona at the League Hotel after the Panthers uh, lost to the Broncos. And that whole year we'd had a running bit about me picking against the Panthers and everybody getting, you know, upset. And you know, we, yeah. so we started going keep pounding. And, uh, you know, you guys were taping the podcast. And so I was back at the hotel. And I was arranging uh, for your arrival. I, I cleared out the uh, the downstairs shop of any beer and what a uh, hero. and Patron that they had. And I was getting ready for the gang to be back. And I just remember sitting with Wes and we were in a big table, you know, in full view of the entire hotel. And we're just screaming, keep pounding <laughs> at the top of our lungs. And like, But he, he, he brought this, like, such a twang to it. And it still makes me laugh. Like, I can hear it uh, right now. He's like, keep pounding.
3: Yeah, there was a real base to his uh, (laughs) delivery of Keep Pounding, for sure. Keep Pounding. Oh,
4: my God. Yeah. And then, you know, just, I mean, every time I came, you know, just him being so warm and, you know, I remember going to the Cozy together um, and uh, just hanging out and having drinks. And uh, we would always talk about Steely Dan together. And uh, (laughs) I would would always put on – if I knew that he was coming, I would put on – this must be the place by talking heads, which is one of his Great favorite song. songs. Yeah. And, and he would always turn to me and say, it's my favorite song. And it's, yeah, I know. Cause I put it on because I knew you were coming and you know, but he, uh, yeah, God, I mean, you know, I just miss him every day and, uh, you know. I I just you know pray for LaKeisha and Lincoln and know that they're that I'm thinking of you guys all the time. So You
3: mentioned that the post Super Bowls and there is like a Mark and I were texting about this yesterday. There's like an innocence um that's kind of lost now with with West gone and you look back at You know, the times that we spent together, hundreds and hundreds of hours, thousands of hours, not just with the mics in front of our faces, but just by the virtue of what our jobs were, we were always together, whether it was in the newsroom, uh, traveling together. And, um, the Super Bowl was always that culmination of a long year of work. Even though, as we all know, the football calendar doesn't really end at the Super Bowl. For a lot of people, Super Bowl is the end of the season. As Marcus lamented, it's not the end of the season for us, but it also it is when you get to the game, the long Super Bowl week at the city where you cover the game and then you watch the game and you go through the long day of Super Bowl. And then the way it always has worked out, then we would go and sometimes we'd go to a radio station in recent years. We've done it from the stadium itself. Um, we would do the post show podcast. We'd usually be one of the last people out of the building on Super Bowl Sunday, and then you would get that release uh, where we would all get together. And Connor, all time hero, Super Bowl Fifty in San Francisco when you you had us well stocked and, and we turned the lobby into a party. And you're, you're right that with Wes and the golden moments, like he enjoyed those moments. Like, all right, we we worked hard, we did the job, and now we're gonna have fun together.
4: He, I, I remember too the the Seahawks Super Bowl the the. Uh, the interception at the goal line right and I had come from uh, you know a newspaper background and so you're used to being in these just dead quiet press boxes and everybody's so serious about themselves they, they, they take themselves too seriously and I remember that entire game that might that was the first game I think I ever watched with Wes and he is on his feet from the minute the game starts and he's yelling and he's like oh did you see that you know and he's like turning around and he's like you know and I'm, I'm like oh my god like what is going on here and and but it it was just this moment that hit me like oh my god like we are we're watching football for a living and like this guy embodies that appreciation and that and that endless joy and so that was like you never heard him complain about it uh once he was just this uh this beautiful soul. But that game, too, in particular, just like every two seconds, yeah, did you see that catch? Did you see that You know, and just, oh, he was, watching games with him was just unbelievable.
1: I sent you, Connor, that picture of Wes in an easy chair in that hotel lobby after you. And, you know, when you say to Connor, go, please, if you wouldn't mind, would you you fetch a couple beers? He doesn't show up with a six-pack. It was like bottles of wine. (laughs) Um, It was a massive assortment. Yeah, it was just like Connor was the absolute best person on the planet to do that job. But there's a picture of Wes. We're all exhausted, just sitting there, and he had this big woolen cap because remember how cold and windy <laughs> yeah. that that Super Bowl 50 was in San Francisco. And if I'm not mistaken, that was also the, the game that in the middle of it, um, Wes got yanked out of our ability to observe because Marshawn Lynch retired like minutes into the game, yes. and suddenly <laughs> Wes was stuck writing this article. And that was, you know, there were times... When you could look, I could, I was sitting next to West and you could feel. The, uh, sometimes the irritation um, in the timing of a situation coming off of him. And I was like thinking, my God, I'm glad I'm not writing that piece right now. But Wes is doing it. He did a great job with it. And he celebrated after. He was a and, unique guy on that
3: front. And Marshall Lynch didn't even have the common decency to stay retired, at least. I mean, no. if you're going to make us deal with that, make Wes deal with that.
4: If, we, if Wes is writing your retirement post, stay the hell retired. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, now, Connor, you're taking um, his place as the guy that's going to need to have the... A knit cap um, at the Super Bowl because now you're going West style shaved head uh, and it can get a little, you know, he, he often commented, you know, get a little cold and get a little cold without that, that hair as protection.
4: I, uh, I didn't realize how much just a light Thin dusting of hair on top of your head actually did for you until um, I confronted the looming baldness, uh, got rid of the hair, and then you know went outside one day and I was like, "Oh my God, it's cold! It's it's five degrees that. colder!" You know? Yeah. What? <laughs> you know? There's a reason we were born with that stuff. You know, whatever it is in the evolutionary train, there was a purpose for that.
1: But you were talking about like the the back and forth of having to shave your head frequently, like. And and missing spots in the back. I mean, you have a a lovely wife at home. Would she shave your head for you so that you don't have to deal with that? Right.
4: It was, yeah, I would say it was one of those days where, like, early on in COVID – where we just, you know, nobody knew what the heck was going on, and it, it just felt like normal was never going to return, and so we were just like, you know what, we're going to lean into this, we're going to order, you know, our own hair cutting kit off the internet, and uh, <laughs> we're going to go outside, and we're going to shave dad's head, and it was, uh, she's been great, she's been my barber ever since, and uh, I, I wouldn't trade her for the world.
3: I I recently got the, I made the decision, oh, this could save us potentially hundreds of dollars, and I got all the equipment to start giving my boys haircuts and I gave one of the most insane looking haircuts to my <laughs> eldest son Jack and now it's like now I'm in, like, caught in this in between because Harrison's hair came out okay and Jack's he looks like a child from an orphanage and I'm like should I should I take that as practice and keep building toward it or should i bail on this i already have the equipment i'm kind of caught in between right now you got to go
1: to dan i mean we grew up with these with this very vibrant company coming to age in our youth um, Barbizon. barbazon remember you go there and get a few skills on on hair cutting and maybe not a bad some thought. makeup as well not a it's bad no,
4: thought it's no different than going to you know before I, my wife was cutting my hair you would go to you know super cuts or one of these chains, and it's like I, I told people, it's like seeing an off-Broadway show. You could get the next Picasso in that chair, you know. You could get the next star, the Lin Juan, the Lin, Lin
3: Manuel, something. Yes. Thank
4: you. Uh, yes. Or you could get, you know, uh, a horse Tony Danza, and uh, <laughs> and you know, like there are times when somebody would give me the greatest haircut of my life and send me home feeling good, and then there's another time where you get a stylist who's Talking about how she was like a roadie for Alien Ant Farm and is just here trying to get, you know, a couple bucks. <laughs> and you're focus, like, just please get away from my head, you know. But, uh, you know, these are Lin, the chances
3: we take. Lynn manuel Miranda. That's yes, the name. Sorry, um, sorry. Uh, and one final thought before we before we get to news, because um, you mentioned the golden moments. And the, I had a moment on Sunday night uh, where I was sitting outside in Southern California And for all of California's ills right now And there are many um, One of the great things about living here And it's cliche, but whatever If you grew up in the Northeast, you get it Is the weather is so great And it's it was the middle of February uh, Middle of February here And it was just, you know, 65 degrees And a perfect sunset And I was grilling And I I was on my second Tito's And I had music playing out of the garage and I thought this is always usually when I would text West, and I would ha- I would be a little bit loose, and a song would come on, or I'd be grilling, and always you always think about West with, with the big green egg and everything, and I'd shoot him a text about whatever, and it actually that was one of like, um, and they, it happens occasionally like a sad moment where I got really sad because I'm like oh I can't text, mm-hmm. him. Um, uh, but that at the same time uh, even though that was sad it it again kind of speaks. To Wes at that in that moment, which is like a perfect life moment. It's like, oh, I was thinking of Wes. That's when Wes and I would communicate because Wes that would, he lived for those moments too. Uh, truly special man, Chris Wesling. Um, all right. Let's get to it. Let's do some news. Oh,
0: where's where's your man? dad? You's a free agent. <laughs> where's your dad? You're You're a free agent, your dad. You're a free
3: agent. You, you Let me you. Where's you, your where's your like, pop? You, you know, very rarely would I get on A high school kid getting buried by the national media, but you know the kid that came after Cam at Cam's camp to help other kids—that's a bad job by that kid. Uh, I'm I'm happy at least someone got to him and had him do the old cliche take take out the Notes app and write the apology and tweet it out. Hopefully he meant it. Um, But I I truly you feel for Cam then because then that goes viral, and uh, and Cam is ultimately right at the end of the day. Cam is rich. Even if he is a free agent, you know. I I don't know
1: about you guys, but we're all parents, and I watched that. And a couple things stood out the the high high school kids standing around the mouthy one were like their looks were one of awkwardness because they were like wait, suddenly our friend who is our teammate and you know we we like this guy is taking on Cam Newton, which makes which is sort of um, hard to process. But then as a parent, I was just thinking. I, it made me uneasy. I am praying that my children never approach anyone um with that someone of that stature and an an accomplished person with that kind of um attitude i would be i would run i would i would fly to the farthest um, reaches of the world to get away from having to deal with that. <laughs>
4: It made me think of uh, once at a St. Patrick's Day parade uh, in Scranton, Hillary Clinton was running in 2008, and um, I didn't, I wasn't nearly as mean as this kid was to Cam Newton, but I remember, like, just being in the moment and seeing her, like, 10 feet away from me and just being like, Hillary Clinton, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, now, like, as a 32-year-old, I'm like, what was my plan? if she right. had turned around and addressed me and like thank god she just kept walking and it was one of those things where this kid probably didn't think that cam newton was going to turn around like he thought he would be hilarious with his friends and then as soon as cam turned around uh, it, you just saw the life drain out of his face but i think right. what was amazing about it was cam is such that boy did he turn the power of television production on that kid in a cocaine heartbeat and all of a sudden <laughs> this kid is like Cam. Cam gets the cameras around and it makes it a teaching moment totally flips the narrative and just pins this kid under his thumb and makes him look like a little jerk and uh, you, know, you know I think lesson learned that day. You know? I
3: would say so. if there was one misstep by Cam is that when he took to social media to address the incident that would have been a good time, especially with the kids of America involved here and teaching lessons to drop that dopey font of his that he uses with his <laughs> posts. Just write in standard good point. King's English. Let's let's roll forward as a society and accept that as a failed experiment, just like that kid failed in his attempt at garnering attention. I don't know. Is that is Greg? Is that unfair? You've been silent. Uh well, it just feels like if if. It, it's one of those stories that it was only a
5: story because of the day it happened.
3: Right. It's like, timelines. why are,
5: why is anyone talking about this? If this offends you, go to any high school classroom in America for three minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you will see something that offensive. And, and like, be, be a 16-year-old for three minutes. Like, you you or one of your friends will probably say something that offensive.
3: <laughs> like, right. do we
5: need to talk about it that much?
3: Greg I mean, letting the kid off the hook, it sounds like. All right, I'm not well, letting off the a hook. a like, Greg delivered it. <laughs>
5: Well, I, I, w- I said before the show, it's like, why is anyone talking about this? That's all. So I was I,
1: to that. your point, though, I do remember being that age, and the Hillary Clinton thing, like, my friend and I were at a Mets game, and we were centered over, like, the outfield somewhere, and we spent seven straight innings um, trying to get Kirk Gibson's attention, shouting at him, berating him, um, give, <laughs> waving our hands and giving him the finger, and finally, like, in the eighth inning, he finally looked up, and he was like... You and we were like, yes, we did it, we did it. And that was like, so it's like when you're that young, like you don't like you. You just want to get a famous person's attention. So,
3: (laughs) (laughs) not to stay sidetracked here, but now you're giving me memories. The Yankees had some truly dreadful teams in the early '90s, and there was a matinee game in August, and they were probably 25 games under 500. Me and my cousin Matt were in the upper deck in right field of the old Yankee Stadium, which was. Really, uh, now that it's gone and there's the new stadium there, the old Yankee stadium, the upper deck used to almost hang over the field. So if you were there in the front row and the place was empty and the right fielder, uh, was in the field, you were kind of on top of them. So me and my cousin Matt, we were probably both like eight or no, we probably about nine or 10, just screaming at the top of our lungs for like three straight innings, Mel Hall, Mel Hall. <laughs> and then finally, like he just looks up and he's like, What? (laughs) We had nothing else to say. We just wanted a reaction. I guess that kid wanted one, too. He got it. It was every
4: day of their lives for 17 years. You know, if you had a long MLB career, it's just like every single day.
3: (laughs) Every day. Sneaky challenge of being a Major League Baseball athlete. (laughs) All right. Let's get into it. Uh, Speaking of New York sports, uh, we haven't touched on Sam Darnold in a minute here. Sam Darnold is the... Uh, entering his fourth season in the league. Very disappointing first three years in New York. There are um, different ways to look at it. It's uh, Darnold being um, not living up to the the prospects of being a number three overall pick and not playing well, but then also the Adam Gase disaster in general. The Jets putting a lot of bad things around him. So uh, with the Jets potentially ready for a fresh start, Darnold is reportedly, allegedly, on the trade block. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports – the Jets have received, quote, real interest in Darnold. And Rappaport added that the team would complete their evaluations of the top QBs in the NFL draft before making any decisions on what to do. Greg, so this is uh, this all seems to be pointing in a certain direction, that Darnold will be moved. Uh, what are your thoughts about where this is and in general just the subject of Darnold and where his career goes from here?
5: Yeah, I thought... You know when some of the New York reporters said a second round pick is you know where it's starting for Darnold, I took that to mean that's like what that's what the Jets want, and maybe they're not even getting that yet. And my reaction is similar to the Wentz thing when I heard that they were getting offered two seconds. I was like, take it now before anything changes. Trade Darnold now. Like his numbers over his last you know sixteen games. Football Perspective put this up today. It's like are literally worse than Dwayne Haskins. And and Haskins is younger. We would never think to give Haskins like the benefit of the doubt that Darnold has uh, comparing to Gardner Minshew, who's also younger. It's like, of course, he's not even in that same ballpark. Like, yeah, the Gase thing was a disaster, but he's played a lot of football. And there's almost no historical precedent to be as bad as Darnold's been and recover for anything more than... Oh, then league average. That Okay, maybe you'll you'll have a couple seasons where people are like, hey, this guy's a, an average or above average. Like, Take take whatever you can get now. I think the longer you wait, and I just don't expect them to be with the Jets, I, I guess I've sort of thrown in the towel there on Darnold.
1: I would just ask, like, you know, we talked with Damashek on our last show about the subject of quarterback saturation, which has not been the case for 90% of this podcast, but the last couple of years, like, Who's calling? I I look around. It could be. I guess maybe the Bears. That would make sense. I could really see Darnold in a Chicago Bears uniform. I mean, the Panthers potentially. I doubt that. What if you? What if you're the Jets and the only real um, interest you got came from in the end, based on other you know, stuff happening, the New England Patriots? Would you ever move them? Just to move him if you were to land there, I like. I just he seems else? like
5: the anti Patriots quarterback, though. Like, I I would say take take well, what so you can did get. Because a year ago, I think they would want like guys who are either athletic or like process quickly. Like, just the kind of mental mistakes that Darnold's, I guess, shown. in a great again, you have to give him some leeway with Gase, but it's like, what are we hoping for if they if they could get a second round pick, take it while they can, is what I would say. <laughs>
4: It's a great point on saturation. I was talking to uh, Jordan Palmer, Carson's brother, who trains draft prospects um, and has Trevor Lawrence this year. And he had said, like, dude, I have clients now, 10-year-old, 11-year-old kids in Germany. Like that's how many clients I have, and I'm training them all to be NFL quarterbacks. Every single college in America is four deep with kids who are capable of starting in the NFL. It's gotten that good, you know. And and teams, on the flip side, have gotten willing to bend their um, idea of a traditional offense to make something work. So once that all comes together, like we're not going to, you know, the game is going to be so saturated that we're done getting attached to this idea of a franchise quarterback. Like, I think that hmm. they're going to be as replaceable as, you know, maybe a really good wide receiver or defensive end. Like, you can move on, and you can make it work without them.
3: I think it's been... It's it's hard uh, for Jets fans because you really did invest in Darnold, and everything pointed to him being the right guy. Right down to, like, we talk about Wes. Uh, Wes uh, saw good things from Darnold. We talked about... Tony Romo talked about how he saw special things and special traits in Darnold. A lot of smart football people think Darnold's a player, and and a lot of people still think he could be a player. Dan Orlovsky at ESPN is a a vocal supporter of Darnold. (laughs) Um, And he's actually younger than Gardner Minshew. You know, he's 23 still, which is insane. So there there is this path where it's like, could he get straightened out in the right situation, a la Tannehill, a la Alex Smith? But at the same time, with the new regime, with the Jets, um... With Joe Douglas now firmly in charge and handling all aspects of the roster building uh, with Robert Sala there, it it just makes too much sense, I think, at the number two pick to fr- get a fresh start there. So-
5: Tannehill's a good comp because he came into a terrible situation in Miami and played receiver in college. And it's like you saw things... like Tannehill was average from the jump. And I guess that's, that's where you hope there's some GM-like like a Lewis Riddick um, if he was in charge of a team that like still believes in his college evaluation so much that he'll give up a pick for him i'm not even sure that guy's out there though cuz cuz what he's shown on tape it's just he's never shown to be like average like Tannehill
3: did right now, off that's the
1: That's my question just like, i don't understand like what where all this interest is coming from but
3: TBD um in other quarterback news check back in on this Russell Wilson situation uh, Wilson Kick-started a lot of uh, chatter and a lot of phone calls uh, um, being made when he told a couple different media outlets that he's sick of being hit and essentially that improvements need to be made uh, with Seattle to get over the hump uh, and get back to the Super Bowl. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero uh, reported um, – Earlier this month, the teams have continued to call the Seahawks about Wilson's availability. And then Michael Silver, our own Michael Silver at NFL Media, reports that teams believe a deal with Wilson would start with three first-round picks. And, uh, Connor, like, we we've talked about this, Greg, a little bit with uh, Deshaun Watson as well. Like, is there a limit w- with when you're coming up with random trade uh, compensation packages for a true superstar quarterback is it where does it get ridiculous is it five first round picks 10 first round picks like at what point uh do we not buy into this being feasible and is three first round picks a worthy price for a 32 year old quarterback like russell wilson
4: I would compare first-round picks to gin and tonics, right, And that once you get past three, uh, you're in a realm of ridiculousness and trouble <laughs> that doesn't uh, that doesn't <laughs> offer any sort of sound return for you. But, yeah, I, I think that Russell Wilson is interesting in that none of this is unintentional, right? This guy has his entire day planned out. Uh, physically, but also mentally every day. This is exactly what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to think. I mean, he has a mental processing coach that helps him along in this way. And to go out and state um what he has it to me feels a 100% planned and maybe he wasn't getting what he wanted on the other end of conversations with Seahawks management whatever it is but you know this is a guy who knows exactly what he's doing uh you know Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of credit for doing that in Green Bay but Russell Wilson is not far behind in terms of someone with that power that cachet and that knows how to sort of move the chess pieces around um on a on a sleepy afternoon in the NFL offseason
1: yeah, I mean, it also feels a bit quirky to me because the Seahawks don't value gin and tonics. I mean, I don't think <laughs> I can't think of a team that cares less about first round picks. So why why what is in this for the Seahawks on any level to trade them? I like, and again, where? Right.
5: Well that's where it makes it I think there'd be plenty of wares. Sure. You know, but I mean D- Denver for any of these teams, by the way. I, I three, sure, four or five. I don't know. I think five I would give up like depending on who you are, people get so I think first round picks are somewhat overrated. Like you can you can like look at the last five Seahawks first round picks. Now that they're they're a unique team, they're usually drafting late, but uh James Carpenter, Bruce Irvin, Jermaine Effetti, Rashad Penny, L J Collier and Jordan Brooks, I would trade fifteen of those guys for Russell Wilson. What's the what's the difference? And you could do that with more teams than you think. And those five would not add up to me to to Russell Wilson. So I I don't think for a team like like the Patriots or the Broncos, teams that literally have nothing right now. um That 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 would be too much because you should be able to figure out how to build a team other ways, too, with the rest of your draft picks and free agency and trades and everything else. And that solves like not only solves the biggest thing that you could have, but gives you a monster advantage at
3: quarterback, too. Here's something interesting I learned from the latest uh, Monday morning quarterback, uh, Peter King column. Uh, He was talking about Deshaun Watson. And he was cooking up trade possibilities for the disgruntled Houston passer. And he said, keep in mind, teams cannot trade draft picks beyond 2023 right now. So I guess that's that's the limit. I don't know if that's something that um, is written in stone, but the way King wrote it, it seems like it is so. You can't do more than three and then you have to I guess get creative second round picks and then. The Rams players. would have
5: already
1: traded him, I guess, if it was Right. Possible. I mean you're That's just right. like you're, you're shooting an arrow into a future GM, but
3: What about what this, mean? Mark? How about this as a move? What if you offered um let's use the Browns as an example. If you offered Ten first round picks between two thousand forty and two thousand forty nine. <laughs> would you give that up for Russell Wilson?
1: Hell yeah. Like that's the kind of GMing I would do, which is like bury a few someone who's three like four months old right now, but will grow up to be a general manager, they can deal with it.
3: <laughs> that bill's gonna come due though. I mean maybe we not won't be around me. for it. I hope yeah. we will, but it's not that it's twenty years away. Imagine 10 straight years without a first round pick. And the guy, imagine you're 20 years old at that point. You're like, like wait, why is my team always terrible? Oh, we made the, the worst trade ever 20 years ago and never got out of the divisional round. Well, it's I like you pay
1: Bobby Bonilla a, a million dollars every year until, uh, you know, <laughs> Jesus returns. I guess that's why they make those
5: rules. Cause the NBA is running into this a little bit. Like the Thunder have like 13 first round picks through 2027 or something like that. And the Pelicans have, have a ton of them too. And it, it, there is something about it that it it just feels ridiculous. Uh, but also like an interesting experiment.
4: That was always my favorite thing to do on Madden. The day like before the draft, you would trade your entire roster for first round draft picks, and then you would end up with picks like two through 17, and you were just you were just on the clock for like 55 straight minutes. And just, uh, yeah, uh, the I've fantasy always, is real.
3: I've always, and this goes all the way back to uh, Why Not, My Not days of the around on the NFL podcast in your old, I believe, the college football game, um, uh, Connor. Um But you have always been a person that when you get into your sports video game, you dive deep. Like, you really get into the roster management and all that stuff. It's almost like actually playing the games is secondary for you. And I think there's a whole market of people that are like that.
4: Yeah, it's funny. Like, after that, we did that whole bit. It really did take off. Like, there are people who do that now. That's, like, what they do on YouTube. I'm not saying that we we deserve credit for it. But when you're old... And you don't have time for the franchise setting on a sports game now. Like, the only video games that I play, my wife and I play Family Feud for the Nintendo Switch at night when the kids go to that bed. Is adorable. And so you, you have That's to build... That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. You have to build, like, a character archetype from, like, this just man. And, like, you're just like, yeah, he's like a bored businessman who's going to moneyball Family Feud and figure out a way to, you know. And then <laughs> the wheels are turning, even if I can't play Madden necessarily.
3: Um, On the subject of games, before before we get into the uh, cuts and franchise tag players, Connor, you have a new feature up um, on uh, SI.com about Pokemon, and I revealed my ignorance on this earlier. I I referred to it as a science fiction game. Maybe I'm right. I don't know. Now you have a chance to really uh, provide some clarity there. But Cassius Marsh, um, the linebacker who also – uh, is such a fan of Pokemon that he's taken his love to the next level. Do you want to share a little bit about uh, this piece that you've written? Because it's very interesting.
4: So, yeah, I'm so I'm standing. You can't see behind me is my entire Pokemon card collection. It's kind of like stacked up like a big <laughs> tower. Um, I can I can send you a picture afterwards. But we had uh, someone had emailed Wait, are you serious, by the way. Yeah, 100%. Wow, OK, yeah, Let's um, go, keep going. And so uh, someone had emailed us at SI and said, you know, there's a Steelers player who's thinking about opening a Pokemon card store. And there was someone in our office that said, that sounds like something that I'd be interested in. And then one of our editors said, if Connor doesn't do this story, he's going to have a heart attack. Like, he has <laughs> to do it. Uh, and so everyone called me, and it was good. Everything worked out. But, yeah, Cassius Marsh is incredible. It, it, uh, Magic the Gathering uh, savant. Uh, he actually – his car was broken into, and he had $20,000 worth of Magic the Gathering cards stolen when he was in Seattle. And then all of a sudden, uh, the community kind of got turned on to the fact that he was into it. He became this sort of like athlete surrogate for trading card games, and he's like, you know what? I love this. I'm going to open my own store in the middle of the pandemic. I don't care what's going on. And so – I got a tour of uh, the store. It's just going to open... Cash Cards Unlimited? Yeah, Cash Cards Unlimited. It's just going to open next week. And it's legit. Like, he has... Uh it was just like surreal, like all the conversations that I've ever had with players about things that they don't want to talk about, and things that really I don't want to talk about either. And then now here I am with like an NFL player being like, "Wait, is that a uh, is that a first edition base set blister pack right there?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." And I was like, hey, "Can can you zoom in on that real quick?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, oh you have all the team rocket sets." Okay, good, good, good. You know, and uh, so it was cool. But you know, the really like. I, I got to talk to some of the people who are uh, kind of steeped in the magic, the gathering world. And it's a really neat story. Like parents are sending him thank yous uh, for s- making it seem a little more mainstream, a little less like hard quote, air quotes, nerdy. And it, it does sort of bridge that classic divide between the jock and the nerd. And I do think that there is like a cool thing that he's doing there. There is sort of like, a you know, a, another step toward acceptance, if, if you will.
1: I think also, like, I mean, if I were to pick an NFL player that would be operating in Pokemon realms, uh, Cassius Marsh wouldn't be the first. He's uh, <laughs> he's like a giant muscle-bound figure with... Uh, <laughs> his both arms are canvassed with tattoos from shoulder to wrist, and here he is playing... It's not a child's game at all, I guess. It's a collector's... I don't know how to describe it. You do it better than I... You sent cards to my kids. They still remember you for that. Mm.
4: That's right. I'm... Uh yeah i'm 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 cool in that way I like you are you know? still it, still collecting still still trucking.
3: I like this quote from Marsh all of this stuff it's art for the new generation. These cards are similar to buying Picasso they're high end collectibles high end art a lot of these pieces are extremely rare. Some of these sports cards are one of one. It's like getting a personal piece from a famous artist. It's just in its infancy right now. do you have what kind of value do you have in that room you're in right now
4: so i I started clearing out. Stuff that I had additional, um, additional things of during the pandemic, and uh, was able to sell cards for a pretty decent amount of money. Um, and I posted my entire collection, and then I immediately like yanked it back off of eBay because I was like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, you know, my kids aren't going to care about this. And then I was like, but what if they do? And like, so I all of a sudden like <laughs> grabbed it, grabbed it, and took it down offline. But yeah, it's it's fun, you know. I that's that's something. Like, got into when I was a little kid, hardcore, and then Cassius, Marsh, and I were talking about this. You go to college, and you give everything away because you think, God, if anybody finds out that I do this, they're going to make fun of me. And then you get to your dorm room, and everybody has a Game Boy. Like, uh, there was ten people on my floor that were all playing Pokemon, and I was like, wait, this is okay? Like, why did I why did I get rid of this? And uh, so after once you have, like, a little bit of disposable income, you get back into it a little bit just to sort of have something to do, help you zone out.
3: Excellent. Check it out. Um, You can go to Conor Orr's uh, Twitter page, easiest way to find it, uh, at C-O-N-O-R-O-R-R. What a name it is also, uh, and it's on si.com. All right, let's... Um, hey Dan, does that solve your science
1: fiction issue here? Have, have you... Do you I still st- like- well,
3: I still don't know what they are. I don't know, like, what Pokemon... is like a cartoon, but it's like a... like an Are they aliens or what? I still don't really know what they are. And the magic there is there's wizards involved and stuff, so I don't... But I don't judge. I just don't understand it. It's a world that's strange to me. Like, when I was in college, I had a, uh, a roommate. A, he was a senior. It was the first place... I got put into so it was just a mix of guys and he would have like Dungeons and Dragons battles with these other guys and they all looked like Gareth from the UK office like and I was like <laughs> alright well that's a whole thing that I'm not really plugged into but I know it's got popularity
4: I would say that Pokemon are more like animals that you would encounter uh in the wild and then domesticate and then they uh help you along your adventure uh uh to uh fame and prominence but also self-discovery that would be the best way that i would put
3: that was it. good <laughs> i like that i mean that's interesting all right let's get into uh let's move on now and um greg like i said you've been busy you've been pounded out bangers that's what you do you pound out bangers from your uh, little home office Behind closed doors And um, let's let's dig into <laughs> Let's dig into <laughs> You made it sound so weird That and
1: like animals you meet in the forest And they advance your life along A lot happening here A lot of it just sitting on the couch in the main room
5: really You know
3: You pound out bangers in the main couch? That's, okay
5: Yeah with just wow. the, the madness going around me There's something about like sitting back here Like at a desk Uh you know, when you're not podcasting, that feels like it's too much like it's even it's too close to going to the office. I'd rather just sit
3: on the couch. All right, I'm with you. All right, (laughs) let's get into it. We'll start with some we're gonna get to some cuts, some surprise cuts. Um, but um and it should be known, by the way, that we have a little bit um of an issue here because Greg has been writing about this stuff on our website for years. Connor does the same thing for SI. What, that London, means
5: double now. the double the power.
3: But there can only be one that truly sits atop um, the throne as the true um, master of this type of article. And, and Mark is going to let us know who that is at the end of the show.
1: <laughs> oh, perfect.
3: Um, anyway, let's start with the 2021... Um, NFL franchise slash transition tag primer, colon, who are the no-brainers? Debatable <laughs> candidates? <laughs> These headlines, I never
5: do the headlines. Understand you, the headlines sometimes.
3: You, you know how that works. I guess it's, it's SEO, but there's a lot. Anyway, um, all right, Greg, let's start with the no-brainers. And um, it should be known, everybody should be aware, that just because a team tags somebody doesn't mean that player is going to play for the team. Um, so I'm curious, Greg, setting it up that way. You have Dak atop the list, Allen Robinson, wide receiver of the Bears, Chris Godwin, wide receiver of the Bucks, uh Taylor Moten of the, the uh, Panthers, uh, Moton? Moten? Yeah, Moten. Moten, the tackle, Kenny Galladay, wide receiver, Lions, okay? Of those guys who's the most likely or who are the guys you see there that could get moved, do you think? And and who's definitely playing for their team in 2021? Ian's putting out a little bit
5: of like watch Alan Robinson possibly get traded or maybe Galladay. Like, does it really make sense for them to be paying $16 million when they're rebuilding? So they could be possible trades, but it gets to the point of like all these teams that are, people spend so much time in January of like, these are the free agents we want to get. And a lot of them are these three receivers, you know, Robinson, Godwin and Galladay, And none of them are going to be available except maybe in a trade that's going to cost a lot. And I, I've been, setting up the the list you know the free agency list and man i think it's bad this year usually i'm kind of pumping it up and especially at receiver it's bad so maybe some team i would give up a nice pick for Allen robinson and give him money i would give up a second round pick at the least so i think the bears could get something but the most likely outcome is they're all with their teams and they're all staying put because like letting go of good guys is stupid
1: alan robinson seems you know there's a continued streak of um He seems a little disenfranchised, and I I don't blame him. I would love to see Allen Robinson with a functional quarterback for the first time in earth history. (laughs) I'm not sure it's happening with the Bears, or I am sure it's not happening with the Bears.
4: All of a sudden, then he'll just end up back in Jacksonville, the circle of life. It always drops you back off in in (laughs) northern Florida. I mean,
5: if he gets paid, yeah, he seems to be he's the one that seems to be trying to grease the skids to get out of town. He's doing like pot different podcasts and he's making it pretty clear.
3: Yeah, we we mentioned on this podcast a few weeks ago that he's been dropping all sorts of hints in his social media about where he might want to end up. Um, all right. You have a category. Say yes. What does that mean exactly, Greg? It's just—I think it was like an
5: Elliott Smith reference from like eight years ago that just out of apathy has just stayed there forever.
3: But you know, one of the all-time <laughs> Elliott Smith songs. Ah, okay. And of that of that category, um, what's the name that jumps out to you? That's a kind of an interesting uh, um, case. Aaron Jones. Uh, I think
5: the more I've thought about it, makes sense to keep. For $8 million, which would be the franchise... Or less on the transition tag. This is another one where little people around the league are, like, thinking... I, I just assumed he would be gone, and they would let him go, but that would annoy... Did you say little people around the league? Yeah, I don't him?
1: know that. What is... I, I, I caught that, too. <laughs> yeah, just me. You know, people like me.
5: Like little people. Yeah. Oh. Um, they, uh... That They don't think it makes sense to actually let him go. Aaron Rodgers would be pissed. Connor, you don't want to piss off Aaron Rodgers. Like, why not keep Aaron <laughs> Jones for $8 million for one year? I think that's a bargain
4: if you make aaron Rodgers mad you're not going to get yelled at it's like it's the it's the fear of what is going to happen like you're going to make him mad and then you're not going to hear anything and then like a month later you go to dinner at his house and the meal is totally poisoned you know and that's like the kind of person he is and so yeah i would 100 percent like to keep aaron Rodgers happy and it totally makes sense if you look at where running back contracts are headed he could almost be getting, you know, sixty percent more than that on the open market if a team you know, if there's a team that is going for it, quote unquote, this offseason. Like I could see him being a twelve million dollar a year player for two for one or two years. Um and so eight million makes a ton of sense to me. The, Who cares if you drafted his replacement already? You're gonna need three or four good running backs.
3: The Athletic Shield Capadia believes Aaron Jones could get up to fifteen million in uh, free agency per season. Have we have there been enough running back deals that have blown up in recent years that that market is not going to materialize? For Jones, I know he's a special player. Uh, Well, I know he's a very good-slash-great running back, but is he a special running back that would get that kind of money? I think
4: think so. It only takes one team, and we've seen that time and time again.
5: The whole, like, running backs aren't going to get paid because it's all gone poorly, and now even the Panthers are maybe trying to trade Christian McCaffrey. Like, that's all true, but everyone got paid. Like, Mixon got paid. Camara got paid. Derek Henry, in his own way, got paid. Like, if you're that good, that you usually do. So get, like, a one-year contract. Seems nice. They have their cap issues. That's the problem. But they're going to cut some pl- players. They're going to cut Preston Smith, I think. They've already cut um, a couple players like Christian Kirksey. And they'll. you find a way to keep the guys you want.
1: So the Packers, in our in one world, are going to get J.J. Watt, but move on from one of the two pass rushers they got in, in the offseason a couple of years ago that have become incredibly expensive for them at this point. And I think so. I think that's possibly- possible.
4: Play JJ Watt at running back to replace Aaron Jones. <laughs>
3: that would so be, like good. be okay. That would be a great experiment. Just to line him up back there for a whole year, and I would love just to see what his numbers would be. Like, does he run for 500 yards? If he I mean, we have cards? a little
5: bit of a te- test case with Derek Watt. You know, as you know, been, in the, been in the league for a while. Bro.
3: You know, you've said it yourself. Why are you picking on Derek
5: Watt? Uh, I'm not. I'm just saying he's a running back Watt that we've seen, you know, fullback, I guess. Uh, What would J.J. Watt's longest
1: run be over the course of a year? 80 yards. 80 yards. 80 yards. (laughs) I don't see that happening. Although, I mean, you need like four smaller, as Greg would say, little people at most, four of them to drag him down.
3: I would would compare his output on a a game-by-game basis to what Le'Veon Bell did with the Jets. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of one-to-two-yard runs and maybe a nine-yarder when the, and the crowd would be like, oh, yeah, he's back,
5: baby. We I was putting together, like I said, that free agency list, and I'm doing the running backs or whatever, and I'm thinking, like, oh, is Le'Veon Bell's career over? That was crazy. Close. Like, that was fast. It happens really fast. Like, Le'Veon Bell, who I thought was a almost a bargain for the Jets. Like, I think there's a pretty decent chance his career is over. I don't know. It's just, like don't don't have your kids be running back.
1: Well, he was so selfless to take the year off and and, <laughs> and everyone do it else. for for all running backs. Uh, you know, nothing
3: but praise. He came yeah, he came he went away for that year and he came back a different guy. Uh, it just it wasn't there anymore. A I third of the guy. You could say that. All right, on the uh, before we move on to surprise cuts Greg. So, on the leaning no, is that an Elliott Smith song as well? No, no that's okay. just like, you know, the lean yes, the lean no. Oh, okay. Uh, is there what is the you have Shaquille Griffin, uh, Griffin the cornerback for the Seahawks at the top of the list. Matt Milano, the linebacker for the Bills. You got a couple linemen for the Pats. Uh, tell us about this list. Is there anyone
5: you, you uh, would disagree with, Connor? Especially if you have a list that like Curtis Samuel's the guy I think will get paid a lot. Joe Tooney is going to get paid a lot. There's a chance I think Bill Belichick will just eat the poop as you would say dan and just yeah. paid joe tooney like 18 million dollars a year because he just feels like dumb for letting him go and having tagged him and not signing him to a long term deal a year ago otherwise he's going to be like incredibly rich joe tooney i
3: i mean I, I don't even think it's a sandwich prop greg i think if he's not on the patriots that think the jets would go all out for him because mm. they were ready to make the move last year and then tooney was a surprise uh tag
4: I think some of them are interesting. Like, if you look in New Orleans at like Hendrickson and how insane their cap situation is, and it just, it just goes to show that we are saying right now, oh, this team will not use the salary cap. This team will not sign a guy to a high end $15 million deal. And then all of a sudden, like, there's just this switch that flips and it teaches us all what we learn every year is that none of our understanding of the cap is even close to (laughs) what it needs to be and it's all mysticism and it's just an excuse for teams not to pay players and then as soon as you go, whoa, ah, and then all of a sudden you have $20 million in cap space and you don't know how it happened and like Field Yates tweets, well it was just a series of small (laughs) corrections in the back end of the deal. Uh, If you, you know, five cents here and there and all of a sudden you have $100 million in cap space. That's a good Yates. That's a Yates. That, that was yeah. not a field yates impression that was like a, <laughs> a please feel i'm a big fan of yours don't uh don't think that i was making fun of you but uh i would say it's just more like it's that and it's not just field it's like He's, anybody who, that's his corner that's it, his it corner. Is, it is a corner of his yeah it would be it's sort of a collective voice of anybody in that corner who uh really nails the deep minutia of of contract
5: Mickey Loomis is the king of that of the Saints. I I think there is something to that, Connor. That like they're trying harder by shuffling. It's the same thing with the rant. Every year we hear the rant. Oh the oh the Rams. They've given it up. There goes their window. Like they're, they're in salary cap hell. It's like no, you can if you, especially if your owner's got enough money and to figure it out to just give people cash up front and keep just spreading out to the future, like. it's always the the spaceship is always going up you can find a way
4: it's like your neighbor who i've said this on another podcast before but like you're looking around and you're like i've sneakily googled how much you make how is your house so much nicer than mine you know (laughs) and you just start like and you just start like looking (laughs) around and then it's just like well if you reverse the mortgage and then you triple the mortgage and then you have the mortgage you know and then all of a sudden they gave me a check for 80 million dollars and it's like how the how the hell does that work Wait, how do you know how much your neighbors make?
1: There's a lot happening there, Connor.
4: Oh boy, do we want to? get... <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. We're all curious. Uh, we're all reporters here. He's you a know? journo. Yeah. You're a, re- you're a, yeah, you're a
5: journo. We haven't been doing great journo work lately, or at least aggressive journo work. But uh, oh, wow. so
3: uh, do you, uh, is it go? Th- you find their tax reports or something? Is that what you do? Take us through it. Go ahead. Nobody's listening. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> I I would just say that anything is possible if you put your mind to it and uh, if you're connected to the internet. So yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I, th- I feel like that's a comfortable way to, to I
1: listen. will say, speaking of journos, this one line from Greg I, was my favorite line in this entire article. The Associated Press reports that Matt Milano will test free agency, comma, and who am I to argue with such a monolith? <laughs> This uh, continues a beeline of Greg's um, habits to constantly bury the Associated Press whenever he has That's not a burial. What it's is the a...
4: problem with the Associated
3: Press? We all, I, I know don't what? know this at all. We all have little biases that come out in our writing, and for Greg, it's it's usually you're targeted at the AP. I don't even know what this
5: is all about. I don't know wow. the I mean, background.
1: your words, but okay.
5: Well, the monolith part, it just... Like when you, the associated press reports as something, it feels like, okay, well that's just a fact. There's no they are they are the associated press, they cannot get it wrong. Who who would we be to argue with that? If you're talking about way back in the day not wanting to use our AP articles, I mean that's just because I liked Mark Sessler and Connor Orr and Chris Wesseling and Dan Hanses' writing so much. It's just in that like, order? No order. (laughs) I just remember when I came to the NFL, it's like you'd see all these AP articles on the front page. It's like, what are we doing here? Let's justify our paychecks.
4: Mark was the master of – if anybody has ever read an Associated Press article, right, it comes with the dateline and then the long M-dash. And then uh, the date, yeah, the dateline in parentheses. And then the long m dash, and then the AP, and then it gets into the news. And when I first started working at uh, NFL Network, Mark used to send, and it's a tradition that I carried on uh, to SI, and I've got I've tweaked out a few teammates from time to time, where he'll send like uh, an APR, he'll work up like a 400 word AP article, and he would send it in our chat client of like, you know, Mark Sanchez arrested in high high octane, you know car chase sting or whatever and like but it looks so (laughs) official because it's got that AP uh, attachment on it and so you know I um I did one not too long ago where I texted all my coworkers and I just said OMG in all caps and I sent it to our group chat. And then I did an AP out of New Orleans that Cooper Manning had been arrested for embezzling like millions of dollars um, (laughs) and and trying to like corner some like rubber market or something like that. And they were were like, oh, my God. Uh, And the editor was like, all right, you know, let's uh, let's start mobilizing on this. You know,
3: (laughs) you're
1: you're hoping to cause like sheer panic. It's not going to last for more than four seconds. But you just want that four second panic mode, right? It's you great. also
3: don't want it to get out the door and get kicked upstairs because then you have a problem, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true.
3: It's, a, it's like a very fine line, the needle of the thread. All right, let's uh, let's swing to the um, cut candidates, uh, two thousand twenty one AFC slash <laughs> NFC cut candidates colon viable releases and potential surprises by Greg oh, Rosenthal. No. Um, right at the top on the AFC side of things, you got Von Miller and it's kind of crazy to think about, um, Von Miller being elsewhere, but he gets paid a very high salary. He's not the same guy he was potentially. He's coming off a season that he missed due to injury and he's got some off the field stuff, Greg. It all feels like it's adding up to, um, a end of the road with Denver that has logic. Yeah, I think even
5: before he got hurt and before the off the field stuff, they might have found it hard to pay, you know, to not try to save 18 million against the cap. He seems like one of those guys though that could have a nice little late season run. I mean, late career run that he will have interest. Like usually these big name guys we I, they get overrated in free agency. You know, Connor thinks so, like the big names. But he seems like he could actually make a difference at some point
4: still. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that still the game plan would be dictated to to you. And even if that's all you bring to the table, you are handing your defensive coordinator more tools in the tool belt, which I think is a valuable commodity.
3: Greg, uh, Mark, what are you seeing here um, that jumped out to you?
1: You know, the thing, it's not so much about a specific player, but... Watching what the Eagles and Saints are doing. The Eagles, um, Greg, you mentioned like multiple wide receivers. And by the time the article was up, you were correct on Alshon Jeffrey. You're correct on Deshaun Jackson. And there could be more. Um, Zach Ertz is, is someone that could go. And I just sort of like the Eagles are going to look so different, but we talk about the cap not mattering and all this other business. Um, I do think it matters if you're the Saints because I can't remember a team and quite the fix that they're in and just how different these two teams could look next season.
5: The Chiefs are another one. Like, they're two tackles, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. You could cut them. But it's all like cutting guys that you would want to cut anyways. In the Saints' case, they it's just like not re-signing um, – Trey Hendrickson and Marcus Williams, maybe. But, they, yeah, they're among the teams, the Patriots, I would throw in there as a team that's going to, like, look incredibly different. I've heard some, like, Ertz trade talk, and feels like just, like, good luck with that. I'm not sure they're going to be able to get anything or get anyone to pay $8 million to Ertz after he had, like, 300 yards and give up a draft pick for him. But, like, th- some of these teams... The the Washington football team is another one that feels like a year late of Rivera coming there that they could just blow up the machine. Landon Collins, Alex Smith, it's awkward to cut Alex Smith. I know they don't want to, but that's probably coming. Like it, it does feel because of the cap stuff. Like Connor said, people will just use it as an excuse to, like, release a ton of players, especially this
3: year. There's you know the it's amazing the Eagles that Super Bowl team is basically gone. Like they're totally wiped out at this point. And Ertz, you know, he's interesting to me, and I know people that watch the Eagles very closely will tell you that he was not a guy that was resembled the playmaker and the guy that t- caught the game go-ahead uh, touchdown in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. He doesn't seem like that guy anymore. But, you know, guys like Ertz and Anthony Barr, who you have on your list as a potential surprise cut of the Vikings, Chandler Jones – I would hesitate unless the team is having really, um, really difficult times with the cap, and they need to find ways to get under. And that certainly is the case this year with the cap going down, which was not something anybody could have predicted. But when you have impact star players that are coming off a year where they just weren't physically right, uh, that it could end up blown up in your face if they get healthy and, and get back to their old ways on a new team. And it was just like maybe we should have been a little more patient here,
4: mm. especially with the realistic length preseason in some way shape or form right like uh, you know some of these guys don't
5: panic Mark you know Mark does not want to see that preseason neither do I so neither does any of us really I gotta get out of I, the house I feel I like need... I'm an
4: outlier there
5: but no my... you're not you're not but it was your corner
4: <laughs> I, I need to I need the preseason I need to be at a banal Jets mini camp practice in in April just to get outside. I got to do it. I need to be there. So
1: we all must suffer through, yes. you know, we throw in the that's ball, fine. and that's five weeks. Yeah, well, practice to be is at that good. green
3: and white scrimmage. That's Practice is green and
4: white scrimmage, the Snoopy ball, Dan. How can you come <laughs> on? You know,
3: let's they discontinue that, I believe, which is really a shame mm. because it's it's cynical people like the Mark Sesslers and the Greg Rosenthal's that probably caused the MetLife Inc to put the trophy away for good instead of it being well wait a minute that embraced. one
1: game that's one game that i did that i did um celebrate i mean until you know mark sanchez had what was it his collarbone snapped like in the fourth quarter of the snoopy bowl totally undeserved. it was a shoulder injury
3: it was a shoulder injury that pre-
1: i mean my ap report was not far off on mark sanchez <laughs> that day followed the
4: infamous bloodied eli manning from the super bowl do you remember the snoopy bowl do you remember that Yes, when Eli Manning oh. was sacked by Calvin Pace and there was blood flying from his nose, and then the next year Rex Ryan put it on the cover of the game notes uh, <laughs> before the Super before the Snoopy Bowl. That was like the great like one of the great moments in Rex it's Ryan's funny how, history. How like
3: uh, how small um, and silly uh, things can get, and how high school it, things can get in the NFL. When you cover it as closely as we have for years, that year was, yes, after the Giants, I believe it won a Super Bowl or maybe not, but it was 2009, actually, and the new MetLife Stadium was opening and the Jets and Giants had both footed the bill for it together and the Jets were no longer a tenant. And there was this idea, like, who gets to play the first preseason game in the new stadium? And it was such an issue between the Jets and Giants that they were like, we need to move up the Jets-Giants preseason game from week three to week one so they, so both organizations get to have the honor of playing the first game at MetLife Stadium. How stupid is that shit) <laughs> <laughs> the honor That's the way of things are sometimes. I, that
4: you could proudly say that you uh, were the first team to play in the ugliest stadium in the NFL. <laughs> right, right. A, t-
5: right. T- I mean, a tuna there's, can. There's no replacing the moment when, as a fan, um, you walk through the parking lot that was the old stadium to the stadium that seems exactly like the old stadium and was made 40 years ago, yet is just like brand new. You can't replace the chills that that come about. <laughs>
3: MetLife Stadium is like, if you're a baseball fan, um, when the White Sox built their replacement for Comiskey Park in the early 90s, and it was a very traditional, like, 70s, 80s-style stadium. And then a year later, two years later, Camden Yard shows up as Connor well knows. And that (laughs) started the craze of the retro ballpark and people realizing, oh, we could like imprint our personality and and make it like this like special place to go see a game. And the White Sox were like, what the hell? (laughs) We don't get to be a part of this. Like I, I feel like that with a lot of these NFL stadiums that open now that when the Jets and Giants. Uh, Did their facility, and at the time, a lot was made of it, and there was a billion dollars, and all this stuff. Like, um, or maybe that was Jarrow World, but um, that all the new stadiums that are coming out now, and we're going to be working at the new Rams Chargers facility, uh, once this COVID thing uh wraps up. Um, it (laughs) seems like these stadiums are really cool now, and like they, like when we went to Minneapolis for that Super Bowl, like that's an amazing building, uh, with the Vikings. Anyway, we digress.
4: the architect uh, like somebody that I'd talked to with a background in design once and not really in football was like uh did they realize that the most iconic skyline in in the country is like literally 5 minutes that way and they just <laughs> they just they just erected this
3: steel wall in front of it so that no one can see it, you know? Like, visionaries
1: yeah. Connor, visionaries.
3: <laughs> yeah, it feels like a swing and a miss. Um anyway, Greg, before we go, we let's put our focus where it needs to Hello. be. Uh, anything else you wanted to kind of hmm. highlight here and of course go to nfl.com slash Rosenthal to check out his uh, writings in a more in-depth way. But uh, names that jump out to you that would be surprises, but also there it makes sense on some point.
5: No, I was surprised how much uh, Cowboys fans think Jalen Smith might get cut. That does not seem like a Jerry Jones move to me to like admit a mistake two years into a, into a monster extension. But I think that's kind of the levels of – Jalen Smith's struggles last year. Like, if they're going to cut him, maybe they do it in August. John Smokey Brown, uh, there's an Old West favorite. He's something to keep an eye on. I think the Bills, like, want to get aggressive and maybe need to open up some cap space to do that. And I like John Brown a lot, but he might be
3: one guy who loses his job because of that. Right. Connor, you had your own list. Anything that Greg... Has mentioned here, or that you've seen that you disagree with vehemently, and you have to call his competency into question.
4: The only thing that I disagree with is that it wasn't up at eleven thirty last night when I was trying to finish mine. And sometimes you just, you know, you don't copy, but you just make sure that you have everything. You kind of <laughs> double me. check. You double <laughs> check your work, and you know, after getting two kids to bed, you just, uh, you know, two kids under the age of two, you just don't feel like uh, you don't feel like being all that creative, you know. So take a peek. Take a peek. <laughs> just you know just sneak sneak it's a- like a cross cross checking that that's, makes sense that's that's largely what it is yeah uh and less plagiarism what would you take a peek at Greg? uh i don't know if
5: those Things were up, yeah. I definitely look at, like, the free agency list just, um, before I yeah. send in my one just to make sure I didn't miss people. I don't know if there were other tag primers. I guess I didn't check check that out. But you check out, like, the local guys who've really got, you know, the inside scoop on the Ravens. Ad. And the little and, people, of course. The little people. You ask around a little bit. You just say, hey, is this stupid?
1: I mean, do you think to yourself, Greg, what would Dan and Mark do in this situation? Well, Who would they be uh, zeroing in on?
3: Nope. It's funny because <laughs> good response. It's funny because Greg, you you called out uh, Damaschek's, uh sources on our last podcast. Like I, th- I think I know Greg's sources too, but I will not call them out. I know who's I know his birdies.
5: Well, there was multiple this time, but yes, yeah, some are you know insiders at our company. Certainly, I'm not giving anything away there, but but uh, but others as well. All right, good stuff.
3: Good good stuff. You've said it all, Connor. Oh, I uh, thank you for it.
4: Yeah, this was fun.
3: Thanks we went that. so
5: long; you had to grab your power cord in the middle of the last segment. How so how is my that's, transition?
4: That's, that's... I've been like I've been infamous for this now. Like throughout COVID, for some reason, I I just don't bring it with me when I go down to the basement to do this. <laughs> and um, before every show, when we do our podcast, our producers like, do you have your power cord? Uh, we need to <laughs> like we need to stop. Pausing the show forty five minutes in for you to run upstairs and get your power cord.
5: Get another power cord would be what I'd say SI yeah, expensive. Step
3: up to the plate. Yeah, you gotta put that on SI. Speaking of monoliths, <laughs> come on now.
4: Hey, subscribe to a right. new online product uh which is launched. It's great. Uh access to some really uh cool stuff and, and buy the magazine, you know? Like it's still like it's great. I, I was I was reading it the other day, and it's just awesome.
1: So, hey, bye. I mean, unless that's money that you would allocate to
3: NFL media property. Um, sure. How many covers are you up to, Connor? SI covers, which is the holy grail of sports writing um, or has been for most of our lives. How many covers you got? Two. Good yeah. for you.
4: So that's two more than I thought I would ever have.
3: So. That's pretty awesome. Connor is just yet another alumnus of NFL media who went on to – greater things and yes check them out at si.com um, your podcast what's, I don't see you plugging your podcast in your Twitter profile but I assume that's still happening
4: the week side podcast uh, with Jenny Vrentis uh, we just did a, a really fun uh, season wrap up show uh, uh, got some some really good feedback from our listeners after like I guess it's like our second full season we have a logo now uh, mm. it's, Ooh, it's, it's big fun step. yeah carto- like big cartoon cartoon depictions of ourselves which means you really have arrived in the podcast <laughs> landscape and absolutely and I feel good about that yeah
5: I think the key was getting Breer out of it you know it was like it was a little bit of a wet blanket you just got to have like the good you have to have it's all about vibes so once you got Breer off the pod I just think wide left
1: Albert going, is going big is
4: when we were all in the podcast together, it was like making a soup with three really strong ingredients. And, you know, maybe Albert is saffron or shallots and they need to stand on their own. Uh, and so, and obviously the Albert Brewer show is excellent. So you should subscribe
3: there too. And now you understand how Jenny and Connor deliver the news to Bert that he was no longer (laughs) on their podcast. It's like the, uh, there's the Wilco, uh, Poster
4: behind you that I am trying to break your heart documentary where Jeff yes. Tweedy kicks him uh, uh, what's his name out of the band and he starts with every circle needs a center and uh, and, and, and it's and it's basically not you you know uh, uh,
3: not you it's me uh, but you do and I don't know I don't know why we tend to ramble a little bit more when Connor's on but you know it's conversational it's a free flowing conversation uh, we did once upon a time. Uh, go through our Twitter bios, and then you critiqued each one, and I just now have to deliver that critique to you because um, we all love Jenny, and you do great work, and you're a natural podcaster. Uh, just having that, you're a staff writer. It's a little bit too minimalist. Let's get the plug for the podcast in there, and maybe the podcast numbers will you know shoot up a little bit.
4: It's funny. I that was my initial banging. Is yours, Greg? Is yours still just football?
1: Mm
3: I never changed it.
4: And then, you know, that was one last great Wes memory was I didn't look at Wes's before I came on. (laughs) That was great. And then I I just like unwittingly ripped it to shreds. And then I felt awful about it. And then, you know, two years later at the Super Bowl, I did my list of things that I hate. Didn't look at his Instagram and just like ripped it to shreds unwittingly, and I felt you know he was a good sport about it. But I always I felt terrible about that. I think I was like all oh, the people who cut their hamburger open and take a picture of it. And, and Wes was like I love there doing was. that, you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway, Connor, we uh, really appreciate you giving us uh, the time, and yes, uh, you were another favorite of Chris Wesling's and that's what we've kind of been doing in these shows. Um, Since his untimely passing Having some of his favorite people on That have been either friends Or connected to the show or to the company And uh, you qualified uh, As all three so thank you buddy uh, For coming on sharing memories and giving us Your you know that, that Connor sizzle That you always bring
4: well, thanks for having me on. And again, uh, you know, for anybody who sees the, uh, the GoFundMe for Lakeisha and Lincoln, you know, anything that you guys can do to help make a difference there, um, you know, please continue to do so
3: well said yes check out the gofundme it's um pinned on all of our twitter pages all right we'll be back on thursday with our second episode of the week uh thank you to everybody for following along and we again appreciate all your support uh during this difficult time for the show uh this is dan hanza signing off for quiet storm for you kidding me the old boss and ricky hollywood behind the virtual glass till thursday